As the world economy slides into recession, what's happening to the state of our nation's health? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Mary Lou Shars, your host, and joining me today from Fort Worth, Texas, is Professor Harvey Brenner, Professor Emeritus at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, Professor of Public Health at the University of North Texas, and Professor of Epidemiology at the Berlin Institute of Technology. Today, we're discussing the impact of economic stress on public health. Welcome, Professor Branner, to ReachMD. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'd like to start by asking you to describe in your words how a faltering US and world economy is affecting public health. My work uh, over the last 30 years or so has been on the impact of changes in the economy on health. What that means is that we look at indicators of public health including mental health, such as suicide rates, admissions to mental hospitals, and overall mortality rates, crude mortality rates, age-adjusted mortality rates in different countries over long periods of time since basically the 1930s in the United States and European countries, countries such as Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and more recently Eastern Europe and the countries of the former Soviet Union. We look at mortality rates by cause, cause of death, the cardiovascular diseases, the malignancies, metabolic diseases, cirrhosis, suicide and homicide, and the range of accidents in occupational illness and home accidents. And the broad picture that we see in recessions is that mortality tends to increase within a year or two after the recession begins, usually a year or two after the unemployment rate comes to its peak, its high point in a business cycle. We also know that if we look at the industrialized countries generally, we find that the countries with the highest national income levels, the highest rates of concentration of employment in services rather than in either agriculture or industry, and the countries with the highest rates of devotion of the labor force to self-employment and small businesses. These are the countries with the lowest mortality rates by age and the highest life expectancy. And what patterns are you seeing emerging in the period of this current recession? Well, what we project on the basis, let's say, in the United States, of the recent labor force data coming from the United States Department of Labor is that most, most generally, with an increase in the unemployment rate of about one percentage point, let's say it goes from five to six or from six to seven, with such an increase, there is typically an increase in the overall mortality rate of about 2%. And this will show itself as well in an increase of about that size in heart disease or heart attacks, generally myocardial infarction, and a little higher in suicide, homicide, cirrhosis, and in some patterns of cancer mortality as well. And where are we in terms of the current recession? How much longer do we have to go along the path, in your opinion, as an economist? Well, I'm afraid to say it's, it's just about begun, though the recession has, though some would say it's been with us for several months now, given the mortgage crisis and the housing crisis. Economists refer to these as bubbles because they tend to start low, come to some high point, and then pop, so to say, which means that they decrease very, very rapidly. We have not come to the collapse of the bubble phase yet. 
in the minds of economists. So we have a way to go before that actually occurs. And when it occurs, the typical pattern over the whole economy is that economic growth stops. That is to say, we stop growing altogether. And that has occurred for nearly one quarter. And if it occurs for two quarters, then technically that is referred to as a recession. But we haven't come there yet. How do you estimate the social costs of national economic policy? Well, I developed this procedure for the Joint Economic Committee of the United States Congress in the 1970s and 1980s when there was a great deal of attention paid to full employment under the Humphrey-Hawkins legislation. The way this is done is to look over time, it changes over time, in main economic indicators such as gross domestic product, which ultimately amounts to national income and wealth, the unemployment rate and the inflation rate. These are the three central measures we use. And the relationship between those measures and changes in three broad areas of well-being, let's call it. One would be mental health or the inverse of mental health as judged by mental hospital admissions and suicide. Then broadly speaking, physical health as measured by life expectancy or the overall age-adjusted mortality rate, that is the mortality rate, taking into account changes in the age structure. And within that, cardiovascular disease is the broadest indicator since it's so sensitive to stress. Uh, as well as metabolic disease and cirrhosis, uh, heavily, of course, due to the use of alcohol, the overuse of alcohol, the pathological use of alcohol. And finally, within the broader criminal justice sphere, homicide and a variety of criminal justice measures, including, most importantly, imprisonment. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Luchas, and I'm speaking with Professor Harvey Brenner today. We're discussing how economic stress shows in national public health measures. Professor Brenner, what happens to fetal infant and maternal mortality during periods of economic change? Now, these are some of our most classic measures of response to economic deprivation because they're typically unusually high in developing countries. And when we get to the industrialized group of countries, they almost disappear entirely as important causes of death, as they did, let's say, after the Great Depression. Now, if you see infant mortality of any important magnitude, or certainly fetal mortality or maternal mortality, which in principle disappeared just after the Great Depression, if you continue to see such measures with any strength in industrialized countries. We have an indication of very extraordinary deprivation, generally of nutrition, sometimes of lack of attention to sanitation and to housing, because it is these three, this group of three, this triumvirate, which tends to be at the base of increases in mortality rates from those causes. Is there any change that you've noticed in periods of recession in the rate of pregnancy? That's a very good question. There is a real dispute about that. In the most advanced countries, that is economically advanced in the industrialized world, uh, the tendency has been in recent years for sharp reductions in pregnancy, which means, of course, by implication, uh, sharp reductions in the birth rate and the fertility rate. And these are in countries such as Italy, Spain, Greece, 
some countries in Middle Europe, let's say France, to some degree Germany as well, but not, for instance, in the United States. In the United States, uh, in that level of country with very high income, the United States is among the most high-income countries in the Western world. For very interesting reasons, we tend not to see that the mortality rate associated with pregnancy is particularly high, but the pregnancy rate is fairly high. In the United States, we have an unusually high fertility rate. And because of the high fertility rate, because of that alone, we tend to have a high infant mortality rate, even without issues of recession. Is there any debate amongst epidemiologists about the way in which this data is gathered? Not really. These are the most stable and standard data we have virtually in the world. In epidemiology, we tend to run studies with samples, and therefore the results we get are subject to error due to different types of sampling. Among the kind of data I've been telling you about, these are national data and there is no sampling at all. So whether it's fertility or mortality, it's all persons who die or are born or for whom pregnancy occurs. So this is the entire population of data. There are no samples at all so that our conclusions are based on the entire performance of the population. Is there any data relating the status of whether or not you have health insurance in the USA to quality of life? The studies are just being begun, except for some studies that I and some colleagues have done by state in the United States. And there is some evidence that in younger populations, that is populations, let's say, below the age of 50, that uh, in states of the United States with lower levels of health insurance, we do have higher mortality associated with the lack of health insurance itself. This is independent of the wealth of the state or the unemployment rate or, let's say, overall spending on health. Just the absence of health insurance itself seems to be associated with higher mortality, yes. And do doctors' prescribing practices change during times of recession? It's not clear. What is clear is that rates of illness themselves are higher. So more persons will seek medical attention in in recessional periods. Are there any health benefits to be had from gloomy economic forecasts? Well, not forecasts, but uh, (laughs) there is some benefit, so to say, uh, from recession itself, from from higher rates of unemployment in the very short term. So if, for example, construction falls because there are fewer people employed in the construction industry, that's a typical pattern, or let's say there are fewer people driving, or they're driving more slowly for lack of income to be used in purchases of gasoline. So if there's a slowdown in the actual performance of driving of cars or building of roads or building of buildings, then there will be a lower mortality rate due to accidents, either from traffic or from construction. So there will be a a very short and interesting period of time in which people drive less and construction goes down, and there will be fewer accidents and mortality due to accidents, but that will not last very long. And it's it's extremely unhealthy for the economy, but uh, it will be related to much higher mortality rates due to suicide and loss of nutrition, loss of job, and so on, that eventuates in mortality, higher mortality due to cardiovascular disease. Is there anywhere our listeners can go to read more about this topic? 
Well, there's a range of articles in this field, some under my name. There are other authors who've been publishing in this field now for 20 years or more. There are uh, reviews under the topic unemployment. There must be, oh goodness, 150 or more papers in this field that are available under Google, Google Scholar, and summaries of scientific articles in this field under the general topic of unemployment. Well, my thanks to you, Professor Brenner, for joining us today. We've been discussing the relationship between the state of the economy and public health. I'm Dr Mary Lushaz. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. Thanks for listening. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. 